It's all started in the first century with Jesus and his apostles. And within one generation, people from all over the Mediterranean world are giving up everything they own, everything they have. They're risking their lives, they're risking their own families to be a part of this group. This group that is filled with heroes of the faith, with with emperors who have converted to Christ, with missionaries who ran to the ends of the world to tell of this message, with reformers who stake their lives on the truth, with martyrs who love not their own lives to the death. There is no people like the people of God. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series, Ecclesia, a study on the church. For more information, visit our website, cbcsavannah.com. Right, and it's not just heroes. It is faithful, no-name saints from every country under heaven, generation after generation, who have toiled and suffered and loved and served their God. The story, the legendary story goes something like this, that at the first team meeting of the year, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Vince Lombardi, just looked out over his team and the team got quiet because that's what they did around Vince Lombardi. And he just looked at them for a while and then he held a football in his clenched hand out over the group, again in silence. And finally he opened his mouth and said those famous words, gentlemen, this is a football. He proceeded to take his team outside onto the practice field. He showed them the out-of-bounds lines. These are the out-of-bounds lines. He took them into the end zone. This is the end zone. And further explained that the one goal that the Packers had as a team was to get this ball into the end zone. Now, why would he do that? I mean, these are guys who have played thousands of hours of football. They've tackled, they've caught, they've kicked, they've thrown. Did they just somehow forget? Oh, I thought we were playing soccer, which is not a real sport anyway, so. (laughs) Why did he do that? Because he wanted to bring his team back to the main point. What are we about? What is the goal Gentlemen, this is a football. And what we're doing here, I don't need that anymore. Good catch, by the way, Kane. I thought you were a basketball player, but you're all right. <laughs> what we're doing with this series is very simple. We're, we're doing that very thing. CBC, this is a church. This is a church. And it's not that you don't know that. But it's sometimes so easy to get caught up in the busyness and what we're doing and this and that and the other. And we're starting classes and all these things. Just like the football players. What about the audibles? What about the special teams? What about this? What about that? That we forget the main point. And so this series, Ecclesia, which is just a Greek word for church, is just a reminder for us, this is a church. Right? And it's so critical to where we are, y'all. It's so critical because now the dust has settled in the building and, and kind of we've been in here four or five months and we got all these people showing up. And it was easy six years ago when we were in that room and we had 120 people where everyone knew everybody and if this person was out of town, we knew it and this person was gone and this person was sick. Everyone knew what we were doing. Everyone knew what we were about. Everyone knew where we were going. That is not the case anymore. It's just not. 
We got all these people showing up and people getting pulled in all these directions, right? And now more than ever, it is is so important for us to be so clear. This is a church. Because if we're all kind of getting pulled in different directions and swimming, you remember that scene in Nemo when all the fish are in the net and they're all like, ah, right? And Nemo and Dory, what do they do? They go into the net and they say, just swim down. And then they just keep swimming and they get everyone to swim in the same direction, right? And when they start swimming in the same direction, there's power and there's effectiveness and they all get out and it's like, yay! Because we were all swimming the same way. What we want to make sure of is the 1,300 or so of us on a Sunday morning are all swimming in the same direction. Because if we're not, you can be very busy and swimming very hard and having little to no impact and be going nowhere. And that's not where we're about. And so what this series is just the simplicity of this is a church, right? And so we started last week and Cain did such a great job just reminding us of the simple principle that the church is not a building, right? You don't come to church. You don't do church. It's not some kind of club like a fitness club. You get your little tag and you show up a lot in the beginning, but then you kind of sporadically show up. But as long as I pay my dues, I'm still a member. It's not that. It's not a social club where you kind of, everyone kind of waves and you come in and you get your same seat every week and you get your name on a roll. And some of you get your same seat every week, but that's because you get here early, so you have the right to do that. But it's, it's none of those things. The universal church, the local church is what? Is a family. That we are the people of God through a common faith and a common Savior. Jesus Christ. And, and Cain unpacked that for us last week. But that's what we are. We are a family. And if we don't start there and we don't see that, then you will treat the church like an ecclesiastical cruise where you're just like, well, this cruise has more to offer than that cruise. And so that cruise over there, they got a cool rock band. And they got a great kids buffet. And they, that church over there, they got a cool young pastor who used to be a caddy and looks good in skinny jeans. You won't get me for another seven weeks. Um, <laughs> but when we treat the church like that, all we do is just end up jumping, jumping ship to a different cruise when a better cruise comes along. And which is what the church, by the way, pretty much does. And so we got we to come back to, no, this is a church. We are the people of God called to the mission of God. God didn't just create the church and say, well, they need something to do now. So I'll give them something to read and some songs to sing, make them feel good about themselves because they're, they're bored. No, he had a mission, so he creates the church. And if we're not on that mission, then we're just a bunch of disobedient people sitting around singing a bunch of songs, writing notes in our Bible. Okay? So what we're coming back to is this is a church. All right? And, and where we're going to go today, real simple, is just kind of get on the same page. Some of you, this is going to be, if you've been here six years, this will hopefully be a refresher. Some of you are new. We've added about 300 new folks in the last six months. You've never heard this, so you need to hear this. We just need to have a common language, so we're just keep swimming. Just keep swimming all in the same direction. So, so when you look at the New Testament and the Gospels and the rest of the Scripture, and what we've done is we've studied it and really come down to a one-sentence summary about what we're about as a church, what CBC is about, and our statement's not better than anyone else. It's just a way for us to, to communicate what the Bible teaches, what Jesus teaches about his church, 
right? And in our statement, it's both a mission and a method. It's the what we do and the, and the how we do it. Because we're very, we have a bunch of PE majors on staff, and so we have to keep it simple, <laughs> all right? We got like four of us. And so we have it very simple. We have the mission and the method all in one sentence. And here it is. Okay, you've seen it before. It's on our website. It's on a bunch of stuff. This thing's not working. Oh, it's not on. That's why it's not working. But go to the next one anyway until this gets warmed up. There you go. Here, here's the statement you've seen. It's, it's in your bulletin. It's on the website. That CBC exists to glorify God. How? By equipping people to follow Christ through community in the Bible. Fits on a t-shirt. Okay? It's, it's, it's as short as we could get it. Uh, that's ultimately the paradigm of which we do everything. And and I know you've seen it, but here's what I want to do. I want to read it together because if you see something, you remember it 20% of the time. You see something and write something, you remember it 50% of the time. You see something, you write something, you say something, it gets up to like the 75% thing here, okay? So let's read this together. That CBC exists to glorify God by equipping people to follow Christ through community and the Bible. All right, very simple. Right? And we, so where we start, just real quick, is that we exist to glorify God. That is not filler. That is not throwaway. That's not like our token to God and we do our own thing. And I don't even have time to unpack this because it's a whole sermon. But all of the Bible is about God and his glory. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Psalm 96. Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in righteousness. Why? He does all that for his name's sake. Whatever you do in word or deed, eating, drinking, do it all for the glory of God. God ultimately, does he love you unconditionally? Is he for you so much that then who can be against you? Does he care for you more than the birds, more than the sparrows, more than anything else? But in the end, God is ultimately for God. And thus we must ultimately be for God. Because if it becomes about us, if the cruise ship becomes about us, then it's what I like. And I didn't like that music and I didn't like that guy and I didn't like this and so I'm gonna jump ship. And it's not about him anymore. And we turn the Bible and we become the hero of the Bible instead of Christ being the hero of the Bible and we've got it all mixed up. God is for God and so we ultimately exist to give him weight, to give him glory. And so we start there. But then the next phrase is that we exist to glorify God by equipping people to follow Christ. All right, key piece here. All right, we equip people to follow Christ. Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples. The word disciple is a very churchy word. It just means follower. Right, so he tells his followers, go and make followers. And so we wanted to simplify it again, PE majors. So we are equipping people to follow Ephesians chapter four, we'll look at a little bit next week. But he, he says to, to the leaders of the church that he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do what? Equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry. That's your job. Ministry. To follow Christ. And here's the kicker. Here's where churches miss it. Here's where some of you are missing it. You think ministry is coffee team. You think ministry is greeting team. You think ministry is nurseries. You think ministry is is parking team. Those are little ministries, but that's not what he's talking about. The church does not exist you to make, to equip you to make good coffee. That is vital, but that's not why the church exists. Ministry is not here. That's what you gotta get. Your life if you follow Christ, that is your ministry. So where's your ministry? It's on 123 Main Street. It's at, it's at University of this. It's at this 
power plant. It's in that cubicle. It's those children. It's those, those parents. Your ministry is where God has put you. And what we do here is equip you to do ministry out there. It's, it's a huge piece because it's, look, it's, this part's easy. You can iron some clothes. We can get some guys to pray good music. We can get a moderately entertaining sermon. We can make it somewhat cool in here. We can do all those things and get all gussied up and come into this room and check a box. That's not the church. That's not the church. It's when the church gathers. We have to start thinking that this is not the end all be all. To follow Christ. The word Christian just means a little Christ. It means that you out there treat people like like Jesus treated them. And I realized this the other day, my parents were in town, which is always exciting in our house. But so I go to Publix with my mom and, you know, I'm always complaining about the person that uses checks and not a debit card. Guess whose mom is, doesn't have a debit card. And it's Christmas Eve and there's a thousand people in behind of me. And, and we go through and I pay for the stuff and okay. She's like, oh, I forgot two things that your dad needs. Dad can wait. No, no, no. He has to have these. So we go back and wait in line. And then she gets up to the line and there's a thousand people behind us and she's writing a check. How much did you say again? Oh, my ID. Where did I put my ID? I don't know. And so we're just in line and I'm thinking this woman needs to go to purgatory right now. (laughs) And I, but, but that, how does Jesus treat people that are writing checks on Christmas Eve? He loves them. How does Jesus teach, how does Jesus treat your enemy. I mean, this, this is what it means. This is where the rubber meets the road. How does Jesus handle temptation? How does Jesus pray? What does Jesus do when he's stressed out and he's burdened? How does he rest? That, that's ultimately what we are equipping you to do. And what we do in this room is in essence practice. This is just practice. It's not the game. The game's out there. In practice, you get ready for the game. So what we're doing in here is getting ready for the real deal, which is out there. That's what, we need, that's what you need to know. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing. If you make it all about this, I mean, this is three hours, if you serve in some capacity on a Sunday, out of 168 a week. You realize that? That's not the game. That's not what, that's not what following Christ is, right? And, and so what we're gonna do, we're gonna teach here, we're gonna point you to scripture, but... That's where it is. And you know what that means? Here's another thing that's going to blow some of y'all away. The main goal is not to get people to come to church since this is a building and you are the church. Did you realize that? I'm, I'm not saying don't invite people to come to our gathering. It is great for you to do that. People are welcome. We always want new people to come in. But the end all be all is not for you to get people to come on a Sunday. And do you know why that is? A couple of reasons. Number one, y'all are weird. And you don't know you're weird because you've been here long enough, but you're weird. In fact, I sat in the back last week just observing, trying to see this whole deal from a new person's perspective. A person that doesn't come to church, that never has been to church, which is more and more in America. Think about how weird you are. You come in this room. First thing is some guy with facial hair usually is on stage invites you and starts using weird words like connect card, bulletin, nurseries, overflow room, 
They're like, what are they, selling trees? What, what, what is this place about? They have no clue what any of those things mean. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts hugging for some random reason. Because <laughs> they didn't really hear what the guy said because they're still asking the question, what is a connect card? And so everyone starts walking around randomly and it's loud and the band's doing something up here. Then all of a sudden, music busts out again with usually some young dude with facial hair. And they don't know those songs because they don't listen to 88.1 or 91.9 or they don't read the hymnal. So they're kind of there. And then they start to see people swaying and people clapping and someone's closing their eyes and someone's over there doing this. And they're even way weirded out then. And then some young buck comes on stage and speaks for 45 minutes, which is 20 minutes longer than the average sitcom, which is what people's attention span is. And then we sing again. And then on the way out, everyone drops money in a box and says goodbye and that's if it's just a status quo Sunday. You bring out the Lord's table, we got these many weird cups of juice and a cracker. Or put baptism, where they're throwing people underwater and everyone's clapping for some odd reason. This is weird to a person that doesn't know anything. And if you think, well, no, we're in America. Think, would you go to a, a Buddhist temple or a, uh, a mosque because they had a cool band and good nurseries? That's the, in essence what someone who's unchurched is doing when they come here. And so why, how important is it to understand following Christ is not just in here, it's out there, it's huge. Here's a second reason. More, fewer and fewer people are actually coming to churches. And the reason why is because now millennials, I just read a Pew Research this week on it. Millennials now view religious institutions as having a more of a negative impact on culture than a positive. They saw small businesses and unions and technology and the medical field all as having a positive effect on culture. The only thing they saw negatively affecting culture was religious institutions, which these are the future of America. And if they see this place as negative, then they're not gonna just come because you invite them at Christmas. Which is why Jesus said, never commanded us to bring them on Sunday. He said, you live, you follow me where you live. So that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're, we're equipping people to follow when you leave these doors. This is a church. And so the last part of our, our deal then is, well, how do we do it? How do we do it? Real simple, we do it through community and the Bible. Through community and through the Bible. And, and I want you to see, this is not something we invented. We didn't create this. A bunch of guys did sit around the room and how can we do this? What we did was we went to the scripture and saw what the early church did and what God prescribed through the church. So turn, if you will, in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, to Acts chapter two. If you don't have one, we'll put it on the screen. And if you don't own a Bible, there is one within a couple seats of you. Take that one home. It's our gift to you. Please have it. We want you to have it. But Acts chapter two, and we've looked at Acts 18 months ago, so this should be fairly familiar. But here, here's background real quick of what's going on. The church has been born, all right? There was 120 folks up in a room, the Feast of Pentecost in Israel. The Holy Spirit falls on these guys. They're doing all these miraculous things. They go out. Peter, the apostle who was a coward 40 days ago, is now emboldened. He preaches a sermon in front of all these people, the same people responsible for killing Jesus. And 3,000 people become Christians and are baptized. 3,000 in one day. So now the church is instantly on day one, 3,120 people. And it is a logistical nightmare. There is no time for the planning team. Who's gonna lead praise and worship? Who's got the nurseries? What are we gonna do? We go as the building. None of that. But here's what they do. This is what, this is what they do as a community. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Three phrases or words I want you to underline in your Bible, circle in your Bible if you have a pen. All right, first one is devoted themselves. Underline that, circle it. Second one is apostles' teaching. Third one is the fellowship. All right, we're gonna kind of work through this real quick. First one is they devoted themselves. Devoted is a strong compound Greek word. It's two kind of words put together. And it just means they were singular in their purpose. They were, they were one-minded. And it's in the present tense, which means it was a continual thing. They constantly, they were continually devoted, committed, and they devoted themselves. I, I want you to understand this was a personal commitment on the part of the early church. It wasn't Peter saying, y'all ought to be doing all these things. It wasn't some guilt trip. They didn't need to. They personally devoted continually themselves to two things. Two. First one, the apostles' teaching. We'll come back and look at fellowship in a minute, but they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. What's that? Well, they didn't have the New Testament. The Gospels had not been written. The first book of the New Testament wasn't written for 12 to 15 years later, the book of James. Right? Paul is a bad guy still. He's out, he's out opposing these guys. He's still trying to, to kill these guys. All these guys have, these 12 guys who walked hand in hand with Jesus for three and a half years, and they got the Old Testament, which there's some copies at the synagogue and the temple, but they, they don't have their own, you know, little King James Old Testament version everyone's got. So they got these 12 guys who walk with Jesus. And so in essence, what they did is they went to these guys and said, teach us what Jesus taught. And Jesus had earlier, before he went back into heaven, reminded these men, my, when my spirit comes, he will remind you of everything. He'll remind you of all you need to know. So when you go teach, teach them to observe all that I've taught you. The Spirit will come and he will help you. He will do it all. And so our first brothers and sisters, what are they doing? They're showing up and they're saying, teach us what Jesus said. Tell us what Jesus wants us to do. We wanna know. And what happened over the next 15 to 50 years that these men wrote down in written form the teachings of Christ and what we now have is the New Testament. But they were all sourced where? All scripture is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit moved on Paul and Peter and Mark and Luke and Jude and James and the writer of the Hebrews so that without error, he writes down in essence the teachings of Christ. It's all about him. Even the Old Testament is about him. Jesus told the Pharisees, you guys search the scriptures. You think them, that there's life in them. They, they speak of me. From beginning to the end, it's all the teaching of Christ inspired by the Spirit. And, and what our early brothers and sisters were doing is they're saying, teach us what Jesus says. What does he want us to do? What does he say about giving? What does he say about praying? How should we work? How should we do these? Teach us. It was not, understand, it wasn't so that they could win the trivial Bible pursuit challenge. It was, they weren't saying, Peter, man, tell us about that whole Trinity thing. I want to understand that because I want to write a hymn. And, and I want to, you know, I want to write a creed. When's the rapture going to happen again? Because I kind of want to get ready. How many wings does a cherubim have? They're not all into just the facts. They want to follow. They want to do. And it wasn't that they didn't have, there was certain things that they were distinct about who God was. But when we talk about sound doctrine and teaching doctrine, it's not a bunch of books on a shelf written by Puritans. Sound doctrine, in essence, is sound behavior. Here's what Paul says, 
as for you, Titus, teach sound doctrine. And you expect him to say, Trinity, blah, 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 blah. He says, here's sound doctrine. Older men, why don't you be self-controlled and dignified? That's sound doctrine. Why don't you be steadfast? Why don't you have love? See, doctrine is not some factual thing that you're just like, yeah, that's great. I took my notes. It is the way you live your life. It is what you have learned so that you apply it. Teaching them to observe. Following Jesus. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about getting smarter. We're talking about looking more like Christ. That is the goal. That's what we do in here. We gather, we equip you to walk in life and do ministry, to follow Christ. Period. End of story. If you can't tell me when the rapture is, that's fine. I don't know either, right? But that's what we're doing in here. And, and it's, it's an essential piece of what we do. And you can imagine, think about this. If it's just about the facts, just, you know, prime NFL, college football championships. Think about this illustration. Quarterback comes into the huddle, gets the guys around, calls a play. Ready? Break. Calls the play, goes to the bench, sits down, has some Gatorade, eats a couple snacks, Goes back out again. Gets in the huddle. All right, guys, here's the play. The guy's like, man, that last play was a rock star play. That was an unbelievable play. Call another play. In fact, I'm going to invite some friends to hear you call the plays. Because you call plays so well that I want everyone to hear how you call. Thanks, man. I appreciate how you, how you like my plays. All right, here's the next play. Ready? Break. Goes back to sideline. More Gatorade. More power bars. Come back next time. Man, I podcasted your last play. It was phenomenal. I'm, in fact, I'm listening to it. In fact, you know, let's go to the bench. I want to podcast it again and listen over here. And we'll have some Gatorade and we'll eat some Powerballs and we'll podcast those last few plays that you, just ran, that you just called because they were so good. Thanks, man. Man, I love podcasting plays too. If you're in the stands, at some point you're going to say, will somebody run the play? Please. Because it doesn't matter how well the play is called. It doesn't matter how many times you podcast it. It doesn't matter how many times you invite your friends to hear the play called. The point is to run the play. And if you don't run the play, you lose. We're not just calling plays to be enjoyed. Don't get me wrong. We're going to work hard to be engaging and to be challenging and to be relevant. But the point is not for you to be, man, that was the best play call I ever heard. Best play call. The point is to run the play. Jesus is not looking for a bunch of people who just like his place. In fact, he doesn't even need a bunch of people. How many thousands of people saw him heal people, ate his food, were, were, were engaged in his teaching, and in the end, there's only 120? He's really not interested in the masses as much as of 120 who are willing to run the play. And that, that's, that's what we're doing. Right? And so when we talk about how do we equip you, the number one way, number, well, the first way, not number one, but the first way is through the Bible. We're gonna teach the Bible. We're gonna teach through the books of the Bible. We're gonna teach through portions of the Bible. We're gonna offer some classes that talk about how to handle money from a biblical perspective and how to handle your singleness from a biblical. We're, we're gonna train you with some of these classes and some of the, in our sermons, but that's what we're gonna do because that's what they did, right? That's what they did. And, and just understand, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking to myself, Please don't think that I got it all. Oh, yeah, Bill's ready. He's telling you all how it is. I'm telling you, I was, I was reading, I've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount. I highly advise you to do it and then don't because it'll be very challenging for you. I'm reading through this week and I get to the portion, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And I'm thinking, oh, I can apply this. It's easy. I can pray for Russia, Von Drago and them. You know, I don't see them. They're not in my life. I say, yeah, they're the enemies still, right? 
But I'm just, and I started thinking about this a little bit. I'm like, nah, that's such a cheesy way to look at the Bible, to apply it in a way that really is no challenge to you. So think, who are my enemies? I'm a moderately competitive person, okay? Just, I mean, we play Clue in our house and we get in fights. I'm just saying. All right, but so when I go to my kids' sports events, for instance, moderately competitive, just a slight. So I went to one last week and I, can I say I didn't agree with every move the coach made? It's a nice way of saying it. And in the moment, I wasn't a happy man. And I immediately, when I read this verse after that takes place, I think it's probably, you know, they're not my enemy, but that's probably not loving them the way I was thinking about them, how I wanted to remove them from the court now. And so I thought I had to repent of that and say, you know, I was not how I'm to follow the Lord Jesus and what following the Lord Jesus means, even if. I am wronged, even if someone gets all passive aggressive with me, even if someone's writing a check in the public's line, I'm a follower of Jesus. Even if someone threatens my life, right? I am a follower of the king. That, that's, what, that's the nitty gritty. I don't feel like following Jesus in that moment, y'all. I don't know about you. I don't feel like it. But that's what a Christian does. That's what he's called to. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy in here. It's harder at the sports event. It's harder at the office. It's harder when you've been falsely accused. It's harder when that person has not forgiven you, but you've forgiven them. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's what we're talking about, right? And so we equip with the word. And, and, and again, here's the beauty of this all, is I am unnecessary to you. Has God given me some gifts? Has he called me to do something? Yes, but you don't need me. You know, you have the same Holy Spirit living in you that I have living in me. You have the same copy of the Bible. I just offer you to a freebie. You have the same access. You don't need me. But what you do need to be is committed, devoted to the apostles' teaching. So let me encourage you. It's a new year. Just carve out some time. Read the Sermon on the Mount. All right, read it through once a day for a week. I'm telling you, it's un. You could read nothing else for the rest of your life and be challenged. Those three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. But, but start somewhere. There's, there's something missing from a person who says, I am a follower of Jesus, but they never listen to him. For me to be that. I, I, just think about one area that, that, that you are not being a, a follower Right? That there's an area that you know that there's compromise. Maybe pick one of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the nine that you struggle with the most. Right? And if you're like, I don't know which one, I'm pretty good in all nine. Well, then ask your, your spouse and they'll tell you. Gentleness, patience, kindness. Heck, you got them all, you're failing. Just pick any of them. But pick one, start praying about that. Start start. Memorizing a verse or two about that. Read a book about, about cultivating joy in your life or, or kindness in your life. Ask, how am I unkind? And how, that's what we're talking about, being a follower. Maybe, maybe thinking about one or two people that are in your immediate life that, that God has put there that you can go serve them in a crazy, crazy way. Maybe it's the single mom at your office and you can go out and you can you know, you sneak a little visa 
$50 card in there under the thing or some Chick-fil-A cards or, or something to bless that person. And maybe they don't even know it. But a, a way to crazy serve people that are around you and to love on them. Maybe something like that. Maybe you've been talking about getting out of debt forever. Maybe it's time to start doing it so that you're able to be generous. You've been talking about cutting out all the technology at the house, but you just can't seem to cut that sitcom and then there's that movie and then there's that news and then we got that this and maybe it's time just to do it. You know what God's wanting you to do. Maybe it's sometime, sometime for some of you to start eating a little healthier, going on a walk once in a while, taking care of the temple of God which he's given you. I, I, the point is, what, this is a church. What a church does is it follows Jesus and what he says. And I don't know where the Spirit of God is working on you. I know where he's working on me. But that's what we do. That's what we're called to do. Not run, not listen to the place. Yeah, great, I ought, to, I ought to do that. That's great. Yeah, I think I ought to lose 20 pounds because I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, yeah, I ought, to, I ought to start reading a little bit more. That's great. Right? As soon as it's walking dead, it's done. Then I'll do it. Right? Just, it's, it's time for some of us. My, my gut is this, that some of you don't need another three Bible studies every morning. There's nothing wrong with a morning Bible study or a college Bible study, or, but some of you don't need another morning out. What you need to do probably is start doing the things that Jesus is telling you to do now. That's, that's what you need to do, right? And we'll, we'll do our best by God's grace to equip and point you to him, but you gotta be devoted yourself to these things, okay? So we do this, CBC exists for God's glory to equip people to follow Christ out through the Bible. The second one, again, is through community. It's through our name. Again, PE majors, we're trying to keep it simple for us, all right? But it's very simple. Through community the Bible, look back at the verse. They devoted themselves, go to the slide, Timmy. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, all right? And then the, the breaking of bread and the prayers, it's a fancy word, it's in the Greek, this is appositional, which just means it's describing their fellowship. So there's really only two things they're committing themselves to, and breaking of bread and prayer, that's involved in their fellowship. But the Greek word for fellowship, you've heard it, koinonia, it just means to share in common. This is a group of people who are just sharing everything. They are sharing life. They are committed to one another as a family. That's what they're doing. I mean, look at the next few verses. Go ahead, Tim, do the next verse. Verse 43. I mean, you see this constantly. And all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together. And they had all things in common. Same, work, same Greek root word in the, in the text. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This is a group of people that are just all around each other. This guy has a need. Man, he needs a car. I got three cars. Boom. This guy, this guy is behind on his power bill. You know what? Boom. This guy, this guy needs a place to stay. They're just together in their homes and eating meals and having the Lord's Supper and they're praying and then they're worshiping. And look, there's no way they all knew everybody. There's over 30,000 people in the church within a couple months. There's no way they're getting some time alone with Peter and James. There's just no way. But they knew somebody, right? And they're committed to each other. Just as much as they were committed to the Bible, which is what we do real good in the South, they were committed to each other. Not one more than the other. Both 
together. Why? Because both are essential for us to do what we're called to do. If it was just about the teaching in the Bible, you could download Chandler and Piper and Stanley and Billy Graham and all those boys and you never have to come here. You can listen to the best preachers in the world, which I'm not even at the top million. You could listen to the best in the world and you could stay home in your jammies. If that was the only thing the church was, but that is not a church. The church is a family. The church is committed to following Christ and to loving each other and to building each other and to relationships. And if you were lacking relationships and deep relationships with other Christians, I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how many Bible memorized verses you have. You are have a big hole in your Christianity. Huge. Because you are meant to live this out, the 59 one another commands with each other. 59 of them. It's only 27 New Testament books, y'all. It's never meant to live in isolation. It's meant to live with one another. This is a church. And is that hard? Yes. The Bible part is actually the easy part. The community part, the sharing and common, that is the hard part. Because you were annoying and so were they. You were weird and so were they. And the deeper you get to know weird people, the deeper you realize how messed up we are. And you're called to love them and be patient with them and pray for them. And here's another thing. In Acts 2, it's, it's very amazing what they're doing, but it's actually pretty, pretty easy for them at this point because it's the, the entire church is Jewish. They're all one culture, one nation, one people. It's easy to like people who are like you. Wait till chapter 15. You can go back and listen to the sermon. What happens in Acts 15? The Gentiles get thrown into the mix and everybody goes nuts. Why? Because now they have a different race in the deal. Now they have a different background and a different experience. And we don't see things the same way. I don't see this like you see this. And that is where it's challenging and that's where we are. Because we got all sorts of different people. This guy grew up here. This guy grew up here. And he sees it like this. And he sees it like this. And he's part of this political deal. And he's part of this. And this guy has more money. And this guy has it. And we got all these perspectives. And we throw them all in the room. And we say, don't try to convince someone of your perspective. Love them in the midst of their perspective. That is hard. Because you guys like the Braves. And I don't. <laughs> and that's just easy. That's where it gets messy and hard. This is a church. They will know us by our love. Not by our sermons. Not by our building. Certainly not by our programs. How you have two different people that love each other and they shouldn't. They shouldn't like each other and they love each other. That's the church. That's the church. And so what we do here is we want to put emphasis on the Bible, but we also want to put it on community. And so we've provided and facilitated community groups for some of you that are capable and able, and we super encourage you to do that. We've put them in locations. And I know some of them are full, and we're, we're training new leaders as we go, and we're going to open some new, new ones up. And I know also some of you are like, well, I don't really connect with all those people. That's the point. They're different from you. I get it. That's the point. And we're going to do some, some stuff for certain age groups, and we do some of that sometimes. But we don't want to be one age, one race, one anything. Because that's not the, it's not the church. The church is diverse. And it's good. Right? 
That's what we're talking about. And, and our community groups are not Bible studies. It's not you go and you open up Ephesians and someone teaches for 45 minutes. Or, uh-huh, I took notes. The, the, and alliteration. That's not what they are. They are a place for care. They're a place for, for needs to be met. They're a place for you to be encouraged and someone to cry with you and, we, and laugh with you and celebrate with that is what they are. One of our groups ran a race together. That's the hipster in shape group. All right? You don't have to do that. That's not a requirement. That's what they do. They do life together. Because you understand, you are one phone call away from a radical life change. Do you realize that? All of us. Accident. No heartbeat. Cancer. Who's going to be there if you don't know anybody? Who's going to carry you through that? Someone who's been there before. This widow over here who carries this widow. This person who's, who's gone through the empty nest deal and now you're going through. Who's gonna be there for, for you in depression when they're, they've been through depression? See, that's, that's the design of the church. That's how we equip one another to follow through Bible and through the church. And both of these are supernaturally empowered things. The scriptures empowered how? By the Holy Spirit. The church is made and created and regenerated how? By the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural strategy from the, from the God of the universe. He knew what he was doing, that through his scripture and through his supernaturally empowered church, God moves. God does great things, right? So that's what we do. That's what we're trying to do. This is the church. And then you see the result in verse 47 that they were praising God. They were having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day. It was all the work of God. It was all the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Peter's sermons. It wasn't, oh, they have a great nursery over at that place and you should see the kind of food they have. It was all a supernatural thing that God was accomplishing through his scripture and through his supernaturally empowered church. Where this guy over here, he loved his money and he loved himself. He has an encounter with the living Christ and now he's giving his stuff away. And this guy over here used to have a huge temper and he used to just yell at everybody and now he, he is gentle and he is kind and he's complimenting. And this, this person over here had a wandering eye and they were over here and now they're a one woman man. And, and people are standing back and saying, what has happened to that guy? I wanna know what makes him tick. And that is how the gospel spread. It wasn't coming to Sunday morning. It was follow, people just following, ordinary people, just like you and me, PE majors, and everything else, just following Jesus on a daily basis, and God radically changes the world. CBC exists to glorify God by equipping people to follow Christ through communion in the Bible. This is our football. It's what we're doing. And here's the beauty. With 120 people running the plays, God radically changes the world. 120. Starts with 12, adds, a, adds 100 you know, folks, 108, and then thousands. We have 1,300 adults, teenagers, on a Sunday morning already. What happens if we're all swimming in the same direction? What happens if you are, would go home and love that widow across the street who is alone at Christmas like, like no one else has? What happens if you show up tomorrow and you are the best worker at your restaurant? If you would stop arguing about politics with everyone in the office, trying to convince them that your guy's the guy that's gonna save the world. 
What would happen in Savannah and beyond if, if God's people lived on God's mission to just follow Christ every day and to love each other well? I don't know what will happen, but I'd like to find out. And so we're gonna move to worship as a church. And just, again, ask yourself, what is it that right now maybe, and I trust the spirit of God living in you. He, he, he knows your heart. He knows where you're at. What is it that this week is gonna look like following Christ? What person can you love this week that can you apologize to, can you care for? What addiction maybe needs to be broken that you need to come talk to a pastor about and then we can give you a strategy to work through that or some, some person? Maybe it's time to stop jumping cruise ships and, and, and get on this one or get on another one. We'll help you find it. We're gonna talk more about that next week. But let's just ask the Spirit to move in us. I'll ask you guys wherever you're at. Ethan, I saw you somewhere. There you are. Come on up and we'll worship Christ together. Um, you guys can stand and we'll, uh, we'll sing.